just trying to shoot the moon Using everything we've got that's just peas and a spoon Welcome to The Word Witch, a podcast for the modern magical soul, exploring tarot, astrology, belief, and more from a queer witch, that's me, in conversation with folks making magic from the margins. I'm your host, Claire Burgess. Let's make some magic. Hello, friends, witches, beloved otherlings. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to 2019. Um, I am in a great mood today <laughs> because I have a really great episode to bring you. Today, we are going to be um, looking at the twos, the tarot number family of the twos, which I'm so excited to dig into with you. Uh, but before we get there, um, I also am going to tell you a little bit about this eclipse season that we just started a few days ago. And uh, then... My partner, Aaron Caffey, who you all may be familiar with from the episode on uh, transgender awareness, on which uh, Aaron came to talk to me, uh, talk to us about his experience. Aaron, who also is a tarot reader, he's actually been reading for longer than I have. He agreed to come on and have uh, some conversations with me about tarot and specifically about tarot ethics. Um, so I'm really excited to share that conversation with you. This is probably going to be a, a recurring thing that um, we're going to talk about uh, hopefully once a month, a different sort of topic on the ethics of tarot, which I, I don't just mean like how your tarot reader has a code of ethics. I mean, they really should, and most tarot, tarot readers do. They have their own code of ethics, but I mean, like these sort of like larger ideas. You'll see what I you'll you'll see what I mean when when the when we start having the conversation in a little bit. Also, uh, there is construction happening down the block from me. <laughs> uh, the city of Portland is tearing up the street for some reason. So um, I think I caught them on a relatively quiet moment right now. So I'm going to try to get this recorded. I apologize if you start hearing annoying construction noises. We're beeping in the background. This is just, you know, this is life. This is what happens. Uh, so... Right. So let's uh, first let's start by talking about some astrology. So on this past Saturday, uh, January 5th, we had um, a an eclipse in Capricorn, a solar eclipse, which is a new moon eclipse in the sign of Capricorn that sort of kicked off this year's series of eclipses, um, eclipses, always come in pairs. So we'll have like, we'll have a solar eclipse and then we'll have a lunar eclipse. And this just has to do with the positioning of the earth and the moon and the sun. Oh man, it's also garbage day. <laughs> Sorry if you hear the garbage truck. Awful planning. Shows how much Capricorn I have on my chart, which is like one planet, which is Neptune. So <laughs> I'm not very good at planning. Anyway, so Capricorn, I talked a little bit about 
in the last episode, um, episode seven, and we we talked about how Capricorn's all about sort of maturity and and authenticity and integrity. And Capricorn, since it's um, where it's sort of like the home of of this series of eclipses, is going to be playing a big role in the entirety of 2019. Um, also, because there are two really influential outer planets in Capricorn this year, we have Pluto in Capricorn, um, and we also have Saturn in Capricorn. Uh, so those two pa- those two planets are um, a lot about power and control and those are those are some that's some energy that can feel pretty heavy but the thing about eclipses is that they usually they they show up to sort of like um mm, shake things up help us sort of pull back the skin (laughs) so we can see how these influences are working in our lives so we can sort of process things, release things, do really big work surrounding these areas um, of our lives. Uh, the Capricorn eclipses are also south node eclipses, which the south node is, is associated with our like our, our past lives, our, our karmic past. So that means that these are going to be about releasing some past bullshit um, that has impacted the way we, that has like fucked up our relationship to our own power and our self-sovereignty. It's going to help us sort of like, I don't know, release any of those, any of those things that are sort of sitting on our souls and pinning us down, pinning down our spirit and our growth. Um, also it's going to make us look at the ways that we have participated in abuses of power or been complicit in them. So, you know, this is some big contractive stuff. Um, but, uh, so we're going to be doing a lot of work around breaking down structures that don't serve us or that constrain us in non-helpful ways. Capricorn is a lot about, uh, building, a lot about building and structure, architecture, and the eclipses, um, it, they're going to probably call, especially with Pluto and Saturn and, and Capricorn as well, um, call for some big sort of like overhauls of our relationship to to those structures. Um, so tearing some structures down that are decrepit or that are just not like not serving us, that are that are oppressing us, that are fucking us up, uh, and also building new structures, new structures that truly support us in our responsible adult growth, because Capricorn is a lot about maturity and responsibility, but also support our fluid emotional growth. Eclipses, since they're, they're, you know, they have to do with the moon and the moon is about emotion. There's like, there's always emotional stuff at play here. And uh, Capricorn is the sea goat. So there's a relationship here to the mountain peaks, to climbing, to building, building, to to achievement and success, but also to the sea, to the waters, to the depths. And on the other end of the Capricorn axis, the, the zodiac sign that's opposite of it is Cancer, which is a water sign, <laughs> a water sign about um, uh, n- like home and nurturing and comfort. Um, there's actually something interesting in both Capricorn and Cancer about boundaries. 
Capricorn's really great at setting boundaries, healthy boundaries and holding them. Cancer is a sign that since it's about a lot about sort of like the inner home space um, can, and the symbol for cancer is the crab, has sort of like a, a crab shell on top of it. So there's sort of a sense of boundaries there too that sort of like protect or, or excuse me, enclose. So while Capricorn can throw down this energy that can feel pretty heavy and austere, um, the other end of its axis, Cancer, reminds us of the necessity of um, feeding our emotional and spiritual selves during this time, during this year. Um, So these eclipses aren't going to be about repressing our emotions or controlling them. No, no, no. Capricorn's not about that either. Um, Or at least not controlling them in like a stern-fisted kind of way, like an unhealthy kind of way. Um, But rather, if anything, in a sort of emotional maturity kind of way. Instead, these eclipses are going to be about building structures that allow us to be successful, functional humans in the world, (laughs) while also having appropriate personal boundaries and systems to protect our private selves, our, 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 our emotional bodies, our spiritual lives, and have healthy and nourishing existences in both of those areas, in both ends of that axis. At least I hope. That's my amateur astrologer opinion. Um, And I wanted to, while I was here on this topic, say, so in in past episodes, I've sort of given like a rundown of the like astrology of the coming two weeks um, in some some specificity. And I'm probably not going to be doing that going forward. Um, It's the start of a new year. This podcast, this is the eighth episode. So we're still sort of like growing and changing and like, I don't know, finding finding the shape that it wants to take. And while I will keep talking about big astrology stuff like this um, and uh, keep, you know, talking about the moon and stuff like that, I'm probably not going to be going into the sort of level of detail I have in previous episodes as far as like, you know, this transit's happening on Monday, et cetera, et cetera. And the part, part of the reason why um, is because there's there's a place I'm going to recommend for you to go check out that does that way better than I do. <laughs> um, and also because it'll give me more time to spend on um, building the other parts of this podcast, like the tarot lessons and things like that. Um, so uh, if you really if you're really interested in this stuff um, in learning astrology or especially if you want to get that like sort of play by play for your astrology for the week ahead, um, check out Ghost of a Podcast by Jessica Lanyado or Lanyadu. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've heard her name pronounced many different ways. I looked it up. I think it's Lanyado. Okay. Anyway, that's Ghost of a Podcast. If you're not already listening to that, uh, Jessica does uh, is a really, really wonderful, experienced astrologer who um, in her podcast gives a layout for the week ahead and talks about the big transits and also like answers listeners questions on their natal charts and astro things. It's really, it's really great and really informative. So check that out. Also, I've had some questions recently about uh, astrology resources, um, how I've learned this stuff. Um, And I'm going to be trying to put together a sort of astrology resource tab on my website so that y'all can um, go there and I don't know, find out 
more information for yourselves, start studying yourselves. I'm entirely self-taught, just reading voraciously (laughs) of books and websites, uh, listening to podcasts, uh, following folks on Instagram who are gracious enough to share their knowledge with us. Uh, So I'm going to add that to my resources tab, which is already existing on there, which by the way, um, if you want some recommendations to, um, uh, for like for tarot, um, I also have some tarot recommendations under that resources tab on my website. I need to update it. Uh, there's also a, a queer witch resource guide on there as well. Again, need to update both those things. They're, I've got new stuff to add to it that I haven't yet. But that'll also guide you to some of the people that I have learned my tarot knowledge from. So I've got some books on there, some podcasts. Again, I need to add some more stuff, but go check go check those places out because all of those people on there, I have learned some just like have helped expand my tarot knowledge and my relationship to tarot in big ways and they can do the same for you too, I'm sure. Okay. So, um yeah, that's it for the astro for this episode. Um, and now we're going to go over to my conversation with Aaron, uh, Aaron Caffey, my partner, Tarot Ranger on Instagram, uh, to talk about tarot ethics and uh, specifically a situation that um, happened to us that we learned a lot from. Okay, here you go. So a lot of us go into tarot reading for others, and I mean, probably some of these topics could translate to just personal, like, reading for yourself, but especially if you're reading for others, even if it's just, like, friends and family, not even if you're, like, receiving money for it. There are some things that I don't think are are talked about that much that I think need to be because they can be um, harmful or yeah. even, like... I don't know, it's like damaging to the person receiving the reading if we aren't aware of these things, if we're not talking about this stuff. So Aaron and I wanted to um, start by sharing a story that happened that that affected us when um, we first got together. Do you want to start that? Yeah, man. I'm trying to think (laughs) where to start. Okay, so what happened was when we had first started dating, I did a spread for myself, and I had been taking a, not taking a class, but I had a tarot teacher at the time who had an informal class where we met at a tea shop and just kind of discussed whatever we wanted. So I did a reading for myself, and I brought that in the class to discuss, um, and a lot of problematic things occurred from that reading that really just scared the shit out of me. Mm. You mean like in what? Like in the in the reading that you did yourself, or the reading like the interpretation of the reading that you got at that study group. The interpretation of the reading I got at the study group. Okay. Um, she. So had, what did what did she say? Oh Aaron? my gosh, the suspense. <laughs> she had said, um, "The person that you're with right now isn't the person you're supposed to be with." And then when man, when I that still hurts. I know, it still hurts isn't it? Hear. It's like a little, da- and it was so long ago. <laughs> Daggers. Like a little heart. dagger, and I'm just like. Like, that was one of the problematic things that that she said. Um, And she also said, like, you need to run from this person. And that, Mm -hmm. I think, now, understand, at that time, there was a lot of really 
fucking shitty things that were happening, not between us, but between a lot of people that we knew, mm-hmm. kind of in order for us to be together in a way. Yeah. Um, we'll just leave it at yes. that. And yeah. so that's not untrue to what needed to happen, but it sure as fuck did not need to happen with Claire. Like, you need to run from this, like, these people. Like, yeah, all those people I needed to run from, but Claire excluded. Like, Claire is the one person that was, yeah. like the rock through it all and it was something that we knew we wanted to be together Mm -hmm. and then to hear this to say you know and it was still pretty early on it Mm -hmm. was so just a few months in when you know the intensity continued to grow since we had started dating yeah Yeah. since we had started dating and so the intensity started to grow and then you know at the beginnings of relationships it can be a very vulnerable time you're kind of you're kind of figuring out how to communicate your feelings to one another (laughs) while being like super nervous (laughs) Just being like really blushy and everything's so yeah. new, and it's like adorable and cute, but at the same time, you're like, oh my fucking god, yeah, what just am shit I doing? Your pants terrified. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, shit your pants terrified. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that was a main thing that was a uh, problem with it. The other thing was she said, you know, you're gonna meet the person you're gonna be with like October of next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and I was like, six months prior, I had my tarot teacher I'd gotten a reading from. She had told me a different timeline. She had said mm-hmm. in that reading, which was like six months prior to the time that she was reading my spread in this class, mm-hmm. she had said, the person you're meant to be with or going to be with, you're going to meet no later than February. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, at the time I was like, all right, that's doable because like <laughs> it's June and it was like June or July. And I was like, that's cool. Like I can deal. But at the same time, I was like eyes wide open like my eyes were like super wide i'm like super aware of mm-hmm. every single person i'm meeting i'm like is this the person is this the person yeah. is this the person like it was it's yeah. ridiculous like, yeah. it was kind of exhausting it's like you're on a dating game show but it's your life it's like every single person i talk to i'm like is this the person i mean yeah it was it was beginning to get a little ridiculous and like what and so you took a spread that you had done for yourself, that mm-hmm. you pulled for yourself, and you took it to class for a second opinion. And um, then she told you, or she she read it for you and told you that the person that you were with, who is me, um, mm. was not the person you were supposed to be with. And um, we're just laying it all out on the table. And, um, Let's that, do it. <laughs> and that you should run from yeah. this person. And... Third, that the person that you are supposed to be with, you will meet in October of the next, next year. year. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to go back to the sort of like uh, the the various ethical problems with this, um, I want to talk about, I think, three things. One of okay. them is timelines um, and the problems that can arise with those. Yeah. Um, and um, another one is the ethics of um, telling somebody unequivocally, you need to leave this person or you need yeah. to quit this job or you need to marry this person Fuck or that, man. you like, need to move across the country or like whatever it is. But telling yeah. somebody like unequivocally telling somebody yeah. this is what to do um, and we'll get into the reasons why and like the sort of shades of how to do that uh, in a moment. And then mm. the third thing is I think the ethics of um even uh the ethics of reading somebody else's spread 
for them. Yeah. And telling I guess a them good point. Yeah, and telling them what it means. Yeah, because it's really whoever reads, like if I do a spread, say I'm reading for you, and then there's another terror reader behind me. Like that spread is meant for me to read in my eyes only and not for someone else to read. Yeah, well I think you can share it with however many people you want. Yeah, but... be like what do you think like what you you know you can get inside be like hey what do you think about this specific card in this position and then they can say something and then that can kind of bring new insights for you to be able to to unlock and discover the narrative, which is really for yeah. only you to do and not anyone else. Right. And that's I think that's the key there. Like that's the distinction is that um, I mean, absolutely. You can share your polls with other people, with your teacher, with, you know, folks on Instagram. And like I have I give people, I don't know, insight, I guess, on, yeah, uh, like you on, think, yeah. on polls that they've made. But when when I do it and when you listeners do that for other people or have like ask somebody for um, their advice on a spread – I think it's important that it, you know, stays in the sort of, I don't know, subjective advice realm or like, well, what about this? Or did you think about this? Or here's one thing that it could mean. And then if you, the person who has pulled those cards, don't just like adamantly don't agree with that interpretation and know in your bones that it's wrong, then like you are the authority on that. Yeah. Like, sure, there's it's possible like there's we can all be in denial of shit and stuff too but i i think that there's a difference when you're in denial of a truth that you're being told and when you just really really know that that is not the correct interpretation and when you have someone in power who mm. you really respect Tru- and look up and to. like trust it a lot yeah like even more than just a normal you know somebody that you're going to for a terror reading but also a teacher yeah i think that's really dangerous because it's like you believe like you know you really struggled with it and it for a long time i mean we and it caused problems in our relationship <laughs> i mean know? it didn't cause i mean it, and the bigger like it, uh, it, ca- it okay. caused it caused so a maybe not so, i can't remember i think i just blocked it out at this point but it was <laughs> i mean for seriously though until mm-hmm. that elusive date of october of the right. following That's what year I mean. We, it was something that every now and then would come up. And then I was like, I would think to myself, I was like, I can't fucking wait until this date passes and nothing fucking changes because I already know that's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it was a whole year out, just about, it was awful because it was hanging over our heads this Mm -hmm. whole time as some outside force. You know, that I trusted a lot and that we trusted. I think you trusted. I mean, I'm sure she meant the best. But like. After, yeah, after that, I, I lost some some trust. But while while we both knew that that wasn't true, right? Mm. That, like, you didn't need to run from me. Um, I needed to run towards you. No. <laughs> um, while we both know that that was – that reading was just off base, um, it's still – Sort of like, especially with the timeline aspect, still just really like weaseled into both of our heads. Yeah. And even though I knew, like, I knew both logically and in my bones that it wasn't true, it's just like, it was like this little seed of doubt, like a little time bomb waiting until of October 
like October of whatever year it was. Yeah. And like to just, you know, Aaron's going to meet his soulmate and leave me. Like because you know, of one tarot reading. I know. And then when and when you're in the beginnings of a relationship, there's I mean when you start switching over into the long-term game, there can be a lot of insecurities that is this the person, you know, do they mm-hmm. feel the same way as I do? Are they not telling me something? And I think too in our culture there's a lot that's talked about of kind of accepting shitty breakups and mm-hmm. miscommunication in relationships. So, um, I mean, it's just, it's something that is, I think, I don't think it's, you know, problematic to say that when you are in the beginnings of a long-term relationship, those thoughts and feelings come up for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And to have, like, to have that happen, an outside source tell you that it will happen, is just fucking terrifying mm-hmm. when... You're not completely sure in it yourself because you're just meeting someone and you're learning how they work and they're learning how you work mm-hmm. and you're figuring out your communication. You're figuring out, you know, all the things mm-hmm. really and, you know, figuring out how to build a life together. Well, and you're scared too of like. Yeah, it's of, a vulnerable time. Right. You're also scared of getting hurt. So yeah, from my end, it was like. You know, not not to get too mushy, <laughs> but let's get mushy in in. Um, so this is now a tarot podcast and also a relationship podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're not giving relationship advice. Relationship to be clear. advice from the word witch and tarot ranger. I mean, I'm just saying. No, just I'm just kidding. This is not a relationship advice podcast by any stretch but i think it's just we're telling the story that happened to us right 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 yeah and yeah how problematic it was but right. yeah i mean you but were afraid scared. of getting hurt so like i yeah. was afraid like oh wow i'm really following falling for this person but they are gonna just meet somebody else and then leave me which i think is a fear that we all have i think yeah in general and then and, like i had the extra tidbit of of well, you know a tarot reader an established respected tarot reader coming in from the outside and you know been like this isn't the person you're meant right. to be with and kind of what went off in my head i was like the fuck it is i was like <laughs> i'm gonna show them who's boss like that was seriously there was a point in which i thought that and i was like well this is fucking bullshit you know yeah i was like i'm gonna prove them wrong but it wasn't about proving them wrong and i think it's also important to note that it really talks about where i was and how i felt so and how i felt very insecure and uncertain Mm -hmm. that you know you could argue that i was allowing some reader to change the way that i knew or thought about you know the relationship that i was in at the at that moment which is okay so fair point but also i think I don't think just because of that and you putting all the responsibility on the parent, like, well, that's the way that they dealt with it. And be like, well, that's not, yeah. I don't think that's a good idea to, to take that approach because people are coming to you in vulnerable moments to get answers to questions that they, yeah. like very deep-seated questions that they, that they may be in a very fragile and sensitive spot. And it's important to treat those questions appropriately because of the power and responsibility you hold. Mm-hmm. When some like as in a position as a terror reader. So, you know, I mean, and and then I also wanted to mention and say that after that happened, I ended up, you know, searching online to see if this has happened to anyone else. And there was Mm. um, an article I came across uh, about a woman who got her terror read and from this gentleman or this guy who was really well known in the terror community who had that same thing happen to her and how it rattled her for a really long, for it rattled her for a very long time, 
Um, and so it was something when I came across that, I was like, well, obviously this was something that's a large enough issue that someone has taken the time to right. write an entire article about it. And I also thought that it is never talked about. Like, I cannot tell you how many books I have picked up or we've picked up. And there isn't like an explicit section on tarot ethics. I mean, right. I feel like it's sprinkled in here, sprinkled mm-hmm. in to some books. But I am completely surprised that it isn't It isn't a book in itself or it's not an entire section. And even in some of the books I found it in, aside from the this one book I did find. Um, Name the book. So the book that I ended up finding that had more about ethics than I had ever read before, sprinkled throughout the book. It's called um, Tarot Face-to-Face Using the Cards in Your Everyday Life, and it's by Marcus, Mark, Marcus Katz and Tally Goodwin. Yeah. I have no clue who they are, but I found it in a <laughs> shop. I found it in uh, Ritual Craft in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. And, I mean, I trust Ritual Craft's selection, and I picked it up and started reading through it, and I was like, holy shit, this is a really excellent book. Ritual Craft um, is not a sponsor. No, they're not. We just fucking love Yet. their shit. We've email bought, we've, me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> email the Word Witch, by the way. Uh, we've just invested a lot of money into their, to supporting their business because <laughs> we love their products. Uh, yeah, so it's not something that is talked about very much. That that book, Tarot Face to Face, does have some content about the yeah. ethics of reading tarot. It's more than I've found elsewhere, too, except for, um, I think, a Holistic Tarot by Benabel Wynn also talks about tarot ethics okay. um, in there as well, too. So those are two book rep- recommendations where some of that is actually covered. Also, I think that the core thing that happened and that reading that w- went wrong was the sheer fact that somebody else was reading cards that were pulled by you to speak to you, not to speak to anybody else. So I believe, Mm. I believe that when you, that whoever, whoever's reading the cards is the one that the cards show up to speak to. And they, they show up in your language. Like we each have different relationships, like specific relationships with the cards that we gain. You're talking about the reader. The reader, yeah, yeah, that we gain over time, right? Yeah. So, like, for me, for instance, Six of Cups usually doesn't mean, like, childhood memories and nostalgia. It usually means memories of trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Not that my childhood was that bad. That made my childhood sound really bad. But but... you don't want to minimize the trauma that you experience. Right. But that's what that card usually shows up to speak to. To me, so the cards, I think, show up to, like, in a language that only the reader is fluent in. Yeah, exactly. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, I have the same relationship with some of my cards. I mean, like, my one deck that I've had for 15 years, I mean, we're like peanut butter and jelly. (laughs) I have, like, very specific cards that come up, and I know exactly what they mean. Like, the Ace of Cups, um, in my relationship to, with that deck in particular has to do with a gift from the universe because mm-hmm. I pulled it for a few times and then I like there was a moment where I was like oh this is what this card is about and then there then there's I have a similar relationship with the seven of swords and then mm, yeah your seven of swords relationship is really interesting yeah because it took me from with my relationship with the seven of swords it took me over a year to figure like well not over a year but like a good a six good months to figure out what the fuck my deck was trying to tell me about the seven of swords because every like I couldn't figure it out. And every time I was looking through these books and I was like, this isn't it, this isn't it. And it wasn't until I read holistic tarot and there was like two lines that said it's about striking out on your own. And I was like, Oh my God, that's it. Finally. Like I understand (laughs) what that's about. And the seven of swords has been following me around for the past 
year and a half. So it's the card that I constantly pull now. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess that, that that kind of happens with my one deck and I. It just, it, there's like a theme throughout something and then I'll pull one card specifically and then I, you know, it's trying to, and then I figure out what it's really, what's really going on. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. right. But anyways. And um, so, and so like, it, like if those sharp cards showed up, it would be to speak to that, that relationship and somebody else coming and looking over your shoulder, even if they're, you know, quote, like more experienced than you, they're not going to be able to see that. You know, and they're going to have different and for they're, they're going to have a different relationship yeah. with the seven of swords than you have with the seven of swords. So they're going to interpret that differently. Yeah. See well, I mean? yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. So to sort of like give the like, you know, teacher class notes bullet list on that. Um, totally cool to uh, give advice or like, you know, if, when somebody asks, hey, what do you think this card means? Somebody solicits that input from you. Totally cool to like give some ideas, you know, throw some things out there. But it is always up to the person who pulled those cards to determine the true meaning of them. So like that's something I think that needs to be said for both like the person receiving that advice and the person giving the advice. Yeah. Um, and to not say like definitively, like unequivocally, that's, yeah, that's, that's what this the, means. That's you know? not the way tarot works. And I also think unless someone asks you, you don't give them information. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the um, the second one was, uh, help me. Uh, <laughs> I just did that for dramatic effect. So it was reading someone else's spread. Mm-hmm. It was timelines. Oh, it was it was timelines, and it was saying like unequivocal, unequivocal, which we've touched on, like unequivocal advice from a tarot reading and what a tarot reading can and can't tell you. And I think too, specific certain people are able to tap in to the unconscious collective. You know, maybe in a different way than other people are. I know sometimes, like I can do that, and it. And sometimes I'm like, okay, the cards aren't totally saying this, but like I just know this is what's going on. I mean, and everyone has a different way of accessing that. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of, yeah. I mean, but there's, you know, to say an unequivocal timeline. It's just, I mean, it's just, just don't do that shit. You know, and even if. So what would you say is the big problem with timelines? Well, it just gives people like this end date to, you know, on their trajectory that completely, you know, which I don't want to say negates, but it just, it doesn't give them any autonomy in their choices. It's like, here's your trajectory in this vacuum right now. Exactly what you're telling me when that just isn't true. Because like along the way from like point A to point B, point A being like where you are now getting that reading and point B is this elusive timeline. There's going to be 20 different questions and choices that are going to be made between them. It's going to take you in 20 different trajectories. It's like, okay, I'm at the top and there's two you know, there's a decision I need to make, so I go to the left. And on the left, there's two decisions I need to make, so I go to the right. Mm-hmm. And then it just, like, et cetera, et cetera. And after, like, ten versions of those, you're in one spot out of all the others you could have been in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So does that answer that question? <laughs> sort of. Well, so so, so what I was, I was wondering was, um, I mean, I can speak to this, too, uh, because of how I experienced that the knowledge of that timeline mm-hmm. um the the i think one of the problems so and and first caveat a lot of readers do give timelines 
Um, so I don't want to condemn anybody out there who's listening to this. I probably should have said this at the beginning. Who's who who does use timelines? Um, I'm sure that the way that you do it is probably like you've thought of these things and you know, like awesome. If you're giving timelines and you haven't thought about these things and how it can damage people, I would like urge you, need to, you think to about them. Yeah, to think more about it and and maybe um, I don't know, try to figure out how you can um i don't know consider that when when you're giving timelines because i think one of the problems is that um once you tell somebody for instance you're going to meet your soulmate next october okay. that means okay. a that that kind of takes okay so to get sort of philosophical about it that sort of takes free will out of their hands it takes complete it takes personal choice completely out of their yeah. hands be like well i'm just gonna sit back and wait for this person to show up on my doorstep and i don't even have to do shit exactly so like, that, come on that either means that that person is like you said gonna sit there and wait around for their soulmate to drop in their lap in Octo- october or um it, it precludes them meeting anybody else in the meantime if exactly. they meet somebody else in the meantime that's a big deal they're gonna think this can't be the one. My one is coming in October. And I don't know, like things being as they are and free will being as it is and all of our intersecting timelines happening, maybe that is their soulmate showing up three months early, you know, and they yeah. just like missed that boat. Or third option, if they don't meet their soulmate in October, they're going to be sitting around possibly for the rest of their lives going, Oh no! What did I do wrong? I missed my soulmate. I missed my soulmate. I've yeah. It just fucks with people's heads. <laughs> yeah, it totally you know it totally does, and it just and I think if, I mean, and you were saying that some readers do give timelines. I mean, I would be wary as to, and throw this out into the sphere for debate as to say. How are you giving the timelines? Mm. You know, are you giving a specific date? Is mm-hmm. that a good idea with the person that you're reading for? If you said it more in a general fashion, would that give them more power and empowerment to make the decision for themselves in order to hit the, you know, the path of the trajectory and or the place they want to be? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, I don't know if I, because of that experience, I don't know if I agree with timelines because it was just so fucking damaging. I mean, that's like over a year of damage. And then after that, it took us a while to just like let it fucking go. And so I just, I don't know if I agree with timelines at all. I just think it takes, I, I, and I would be open for someone to challenge me on that. Mm -hmm. I just think it takes a lot of power out of the hands of the person, of, of the person getting a reading, the querent. So it can also yeah. be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And I think it just, you can be so focused on the timeline. You miss the bigger picture. Like, I'm so focused on October. I'm missing everything else that's going on around me mm-hmm. and how I need to, you know. And the things that I want to do and what I'm looking for in life is just passing me by because I'm so focused on this date in October. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the the key here is that, like, as a tarot reader, like, <laughs> We have a lot of power and respond, and also a lot of responsibility. Right. Thank you, Spider Man. I know. I was just like <laughs> Spider Man, Spider Man. Um, I didn't mean for that to happen like that. Yeah, we <laughs> but have, it's true. We have a, we have more power than I think we realize sometimes because of how our querents, like the trust that our querents put in us, mm-hmm. but also even if like 
even if you don't have the querent's complete trust, they that that it, we can still sort of like put a seed of something in somebody's mind mm-hmm. that can affect them in in an un- unhealthy way. So yeah. I think that these things are important things to talk about. Um, I we've already talked for a really long time. So yeah. one one of the things that I I want to talk about in the future. I, I don't think we can do this last one justice. So I just want to like mention it and then sort of like earmark it for um, next month mm-hmm. to continue this conversation about tarot ethics um, um, is so how how do we then communicate these messages that we're getting through the cards to the querent, if we are getting something like, oh, wow, this relationship looks really shitty, how do mm. we communicate that to the querent in a way that is, you know, I'm not going to leave going to leave free will still in their hands. Yeah. And isn't going to possibly sort of put a seed in their head that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like if we tell them you're going to leave this person, then that's going to be in their head. And then that can become... What happens because they were told that that's what was going to happen, you know? Yeah, and I think, too, in the way that your style of reading is that you create this conversation and the more you get to know about the person, the more you're able to uncover the narrative that the cards are talking about. So if my teacher at the time had started asking me a lot of those questions, Mm -hmm. maybe she would have been able to figure out more in depth, like specifically who it was talking about. I mean, now I know. Yeah. You know, when I look back. Socratic questioning, my friends. Yeah. (laughs) Like now I know when I look back who it was talking about and it wasn't you, but for someone at that time in that moment to say that it was you Mm -hmm. was like, it was, as we've discussed, very damaging. So having if, that conversation. If we weren't such strong, intelligent people that already read tarot for ourselves and had such a soulmate bond. Oh, my God. We, we could have broken up because of it. Yeah. I mean, I was really, I just remember standing, at, I remember standing outside my apartment by the steps, like telling you what happened because you were like, what the fuck? Like, what's up? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? And I was just so scared. Like, I was just so frightened. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for next time, how to communicate some of the some of these messages that are received through right. the tarot and how to do them ethically, right. and especially if there's something regarding a timeline. And I wel- you know, and I mm-hmm. welcome people to to challenge the idea of timelines yes. and, and and or how they do them, and maybe experiences they've had. Yeah. Um, or or any like if if any listeners have thoughts about any of these things that we've talked yeah. about today. Um, email the podcast. It's the word witch podcast at gmail.com. Send in your thoughts. Like we want to know. Yeah. Like I really just w- would want like want to know. Yeah. Um, like what other people's experiences are. Please send all information to the word witch because <laughs> I'm kind of off the social media. Wait, Erin, what are your handles or what is your handle? Singular. Yeah. <laughs> um, my handle is at tarot.ranger on Instagram. I don't. And is that a reference to Power Rangers? Yes. Yes, it is. I'm not gonna even say it. <laughs> go go Terra Ranger. Yes. Do 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 do. Go go Terra Ranger. Mm-hmm. But if you follow me, or you know, if we, you know, you come across my profile, it's not. I don't post a lot of content, but I promise you, I am on on the social media sphere. Sometimes I just sneak in and then sneak yeah. out for a week. So yeah, he'll go like your stuff and then like maybe... drop out for a week. For, and then for like, like a month. And then like a month later, I'll like maybe put a photo up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love it. It's really, it's a really awesome tool to get to actually just know people. So if, you know, if you want to have a conversation, follow me on Instagram and message me. 
<laughs> so, so yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I think that that was a great, um, great first episode. In- inaugural, yeah. Inaugural episode 2019. Of, of woot, babe, woot. Babecast. Babecast. Am babe I? Cast. What does that even mean? Your podcast. It's Babe plus podcast. Okay. I think that <laughs> fell flat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think baber stations uh, baber stations yeah there you go mm-hmm. so that's all <laughs> that's all folks thank you should i say thank you I, say? I don't know my outro is peace out cub scouts homie pepperoni <laughs> i say that you know what i mean jelly bean i'm just saying all my things thanks for being a part of this <laughs> Waka waka. I can't, I can't, I just, I'm just trying to fucking figure out anything now. Thanks for being a part of our babe cast. Oh, now you like babe cast. Oh, it's coming back for a circle. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> We're, stay tuned for the tarot lesson on the twos right after this music clip. <laughs> go, go, tarot ranger. Do, 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 do. Go, go, tarot ranger fade out. All right, lovelies. Uh, It's time for our tarot lesson on the twos. Uh, So we're going to be talking about the twos of the minor arcana as well as the high priestess, justice, and judgment. And uh, I will be going more into depth on these topics on my Patreon for my Patreon members. So if you want to learn more, uh, head on over there. There's uh, the links in the show notes. So last month, we talked about the ones. um, And we talked about the idea of the monad, uh, if you all remember that. Um, It's the idea of like from nothing came one right? From the nothing of the fool came the one of the magician, which is just one dot in the middle of the void. And in this oneness, there is a sense of essential unity uh, because it's a one, the number is indivisible. Like you can't divide it by anything except for itself. And um, I mean, if we're talking about integers, if we're talking about whole numbers, you can technically divide one by two and then get one half, but like we're talking about whole numbers. Okay. Sorry, the math part of me, the math teacher part of me had to establish that. (laughs) Um, So, but that one has that sort of essential unity where all it knows is itself. And then from that one, from the monad comes the dyad, the two. Now we have two dots. We have the idea of other, uh, of otherness, of separation and difference. However, that's not all bad. It's not all bad. Um, With that difference, with that separation, there's also the possibility of mirroring, of of seeing seeing ourselves through the eyes of another um, or seeing qualities of ourselves in other people, a lovely sort of sense of not being alone there. Um, There's mirroring, there's harmony, um, there's joining together into a different kind of unity, um, into a different kind of union than the one possessed in its uh, like just simple, like uh, undivisible consciousness of itself. Um, because in difference, we have, um, we have the possibility of learning from differences, right? In difference, balancing becomes possible. In two-ness, we also have 
choice, right? We got two things, literally like a choice, (laughs) the most essential choice. Do I take this one? Do I take that one, right? So there's the idea of choice that's present in the twos as well. Um, And then also in opposites, in opposites and in opposition, we have the introduction to the idea of the cycle, the high and low, light and dark, inner and outer, right? There's, there's that, that seems to be a sort of a binary, but there's a whole system in between that, right? Like, it's not just absolute light and absolute dark. There's like the cycles of the moon represent this. Um, there's a, a lot of cycles of waxing and waning in between the full moon and the new moon. Um, so the introduction of the cycle, which, you know, the high priestess is a card that's associated with uh, the, quote, feminine. So it's it's historically had also a lot of histor- uh, of associations with, yeah, the moon. It's ruled by the moon. Come on, it's ruled by the moon. Um, and also with menstruation. The moon, the, the the moon cycle of people who have wombs um, and are bleeding. So, um, when people talk about the high priestess representing the quote feminine, um, they also mean uh, sometimes the quote sort of yin idea, that idea of of, uh, of passive that um, I talked about when I introduced this whole se- segment many uh, episodes ago. Um, and as I already talked about, I prefer not to use feminine. I prefer not to use yin. I also prefer not to use passive because of its negative connotations. So I prefer to call this energy receptive as opposed to the magician's energy, which is projective, right? Sort of the, this is the idea of outer and inner, of, of um, projecting outwards versus like receiving inwards or calling inwards, right? So in the magician and the high priestess, um, we have this sort of inaugural introduction to these two sort of core energies that exist in tarot um, and that I believe one of the huge main lessons of tarot is to understand, to not just merge those like two um, seemingly opposite principles, but to understand that there is no opposition or separation at all, that it's all an illusion, that we all have both of those within us and that they work with each other and that both are necessary. You can't have one without the other. You need both. So while the magician projects out, the high priestess draws in, but receptivity should not be confused with weakness uh, or with like not doing anything or with like powerlessness. Um, There's a ton of power in that. There's a power to understand our insides (laughs) and to dip into the subconscious and the unconscious, into the memories below the memories, into the collective knowledge that exists in all of us. That's why the high priestess is is sometimes called the keeper of mysteries. Um, in the Smith Weight Tarot, the high priestess sits in front of a um, between two columns, which, by the way, those two columns, one's black, one's white, they represent that initial duality of the twos, right? That that opposition and duality of the twos. The high priestess sits between those two columns in front of a veil that's drawn between them. And that sort of represents um, the the veil to the, the sub and unconscious, uh, which the high priestess is sort of the 
um, uh, the master of or the ruler of, the keeper of, the keeper of the great mysteries that live below the surface. There's a ton of power there, (laughs) a ton of power. And so in that sort of, um, the high priestess is called, is equated to, quote, passive energy a lot because the high priestess is about sort of coming inward to understand those inner things. Um, So the high priestess might not involve a lot of like big outward movement, a lot of doing on the outside, but there is a huge life of the unconscious existing um, just beyond that veil. Um, And also uh, as Rachel Pollack, um, who uh, wrote 78 Degrees of Wisdom, I talk about this book all the time. It's been so influential in my my relationship with tarot. Um, I wanted to share, um, I actually think I'm going to share a couple quotes by Rachel Pollack this time. Rachel Pollack in 78 Degrees, Degrees of Wisdom, which always makes me think of the band 98 Degrees. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, as Rachel Pollack points out, passivity has power because it gives the mind a chance to work and the unconscious to emerge. Um, So that's kind of a paraphrase of one of her quotes there. It gives the mind a chance to do its work so that the unconscious can emerge. If we're always extending ourselves outwards, if we're always doing, 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 going, 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 we don't have the ability to process the information that's coming in right? We don't have the ability to reflect on our experiences and our actions and our choices and really synthesize them and learn from them. So again, like we need both of these energies. It's not healthy to be, to be a magician all the time, always projecting out, 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 doing, 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 creating magic, right? We got to have that, that high priestess, like not just like break time, Break time isn't just like lazy, like off time. It's not just like, oh, the high priestess is the ruler of the weekend. (laughs) No, it's the, um, it's like the sleep cycle, right? If we don't have sleep, we will die. (laughs) Um, and we'll, we'll lose our minds because in sleep, we process everything that has happened during the day. If we don't get enough sleep, our memory becomes shitty. We don't sort of um, grasp, we aren't able to hold on to the knowledge that we've learned, the things we've taken in in that previous day, right? This is essential to our health. So maybe the magician is that outer magic, right? The sort of like sparkly, impressive kind. But the high priestess is the wisdom that guides that magic and the deep well from which it comes. Gotta have both. So let's talk about the twos and the minor arcana. We're working with those same energies of the two that I mentioned already. We have sort of... um. I guess uh, I'll break it into sort of three ideas. There's the idea of duality, dichotomy. And with that comes the idea of choice. Uh, There's the idea of compromise and collaboration also, right? Because one side we have opposition. The other side of the coin of that is like collaboration um, and joining. And then we have um, the idea of balance, equilibrium, fairness, So those are sort of like um, three categories, somewhat reductive categories to think about two energy, but they work. So let's look. So two of cups. 
the Two of Cups um, in the Smith-Waite Tarot has uh, two folks, two people with two weirdly giant cups. And it looks like they're exchanging cups or they're toasting and they're sort of under this big lion with its wings spread and there's a caduceus in the middle. This card is one that a lot of people call the soulmate card. It's about partnership. It does not have to be about romantic partnership. Any, just any sort of relationships that we're in, that can be our relationships to our romantic partners, our relationships to our family, to our friends, to our coworkers or business partners, right? Any sort of relationship or connection or collaboration can also be about our relationship to ourselves, um, to like, I've seen it show up with um, several artists, artists that I've read for to talk about their like sort of beautiful flowing relationship with their art, you know? So in the cups, which is the suit of water, right? So water is emotions, intuition. If we pair that element of water with that energy of the two, you can sort of, uh, you can see how this sort of focus, this flavor of relationship and partnership and connection and collaboration emerges, if we look at the pentacles, the two of pentacles, we have the element of earth, which is the material physical realm, um, and this sort of like uh, hard work, manual work that we do in that realm, and it's our resources, um, home and hearth, stuff like that. We have the pentacles, the suit of earth with the energy of the two, and so from that arises a sort of literal balancing act. So in the pinnacles, we see the face of the two. That's about sort of literal balance, like negotiating, managing in the physical realm, balancing responsibilities, tasks, work, roles. Um, in this card as well, there's an idea of sort of rolling with the cycle. Because in the image in the Smith Weight deck, there's sort of um, this person who kind of looks like they're juggling. <laughs> um, but behind that person, there's a rolling sea with two ships that are sort of rolling with the waves. That's the up and down. <laughs> That's the flow. That's the cycle. Right? So here is we have another face of the twos in the two of pentacles, which is that cycle idea and rolling with it. And cups and pinnacles are the two uh, receptive suits. So those align pretty nicely with two energy. Um, and then what happens when we have uh, swords and wands, which are the projective suits? So we have that sort of receptive energy of the number two with the projective energy of air and fire. So here, something a little bit more, a little interesting happens. And here, there can be sort of a sense of conflict that can come with these cards. So uh, for instance, the Two of Wands. The Two of Wands um, can be about comparing what we have to what we don't have or to what we want. So the Two of Wands can be, it can have a sense of dissatisfaction to it, like of, of wanting different or wanting more right? But it can also have, um, and the, on the better side, it can have a sense of aspiration, of, of, um, of, of goals, of, of uh, sort of um, a, a projective kind of dreaming, 
In this Mythwaite deck, we see a person standing on the wall of their fortress and they hold a globe in their hand and they're looking out towards the horizon. So they're literally like they're stuck at home and they're dreaming about travel (laughs) or something like that. Dreaming about all the things that they want to do that they're not doing. Of course, in this card, they're also not doing those things yet. (laughs) So that's a kind of opposition, right? That's a kind of duality. It's where we are versus where we want to be. It's it's, uh, what we have versus what we don't have. And so in that opposition, the sort of message or medicine of this card comes from the um, uh, how we figure out to bridge that gap between where we are now and where we want to be. So that's why the two of wands is often a lot about planning, (laughs) about figuring out how to bridge that gap, what steps to take, right? Getting creative with it in determining how to get there, how to unify those opposites. Um, And then in the suit of swords, the suit of air, we have choice, Um, like the most visible idea of choice in the twos, um, in the minor twos. We have a person in the card, um, the Smithwaite card, that is sort of sitting down in front of a, in front of an ocean, in front of a sea, with two swords crossed, uh, like crossed across their chest, and a blindfold on, and a moon above them. Okay, so those two swords represent two choices, right? Um, and, and two conscious choices because the suit of air is the suit of the mind of, of thinking and conceiving and perceiving. And in this choice, there's a sense of stalemate here because of those crossed arms, uh, sort of stalemate or indecision. But there's also, um, it can also speak to sort of um, to duality and to accepting that duality. Some people will say, some books will say that the two of swords is about Having a choice in front of you, that's usually a hard decision, and you need to use your mind to determine which choice to take. I have a little bit of a different relationship with this card, um, where I think that it, I think that it really speaks most of the time, in my, in my experience, to having the perception of a choice, right? And not being able to see past, like that the indecision the blindfold is like not being able to see what's really at stake or not being able to see that you don't necessarily have to make a choice or trying to make that choice um through the wrong means um prioritizing the wrong thing sort of using the wrong paradigm i think that um the ocean in the background, the moon above them, the fact that their their eyes, which with we we consciously perceive or are blindfolded. I think this card is a lot of times talking about making that choice with input from intuition, not making it only with our minds. I think that it it's it often speaks to doing both, using both, not just being completely brainy cerebral about our decision making, but also pulling in that like that gut feeling, that that touch with intuition. So there we have the idea of the twos that presents choice and that also presents crossroads um, and that also presents a sort of um, merging of opposites, right? The brain and and intuition, thinking and knowing. <laughs> 
Okay, so I think that's I think that's good for the minor twos for now. Um, I encourage all of you to pull out again, pull out your own twos at home, see what you see there, take notes on it, and again, like look at how different sort of faces of the twos are brought out by each of those four different elemental energies. And also about how, how like different uh, faces of those elements are brought out by the different number energies as we progress along in this series. So that's the straight up twos. Now let's, uh, let's talk about the other two major arcana cards um, that are sort of like higher evolutions of that two. So the first one is justice, um, number 11. Now, some of you who use the Marseille tarot um, or, or tarots that are based on the Marseille system will have strength as number 11 instead. Strength is also totally valid. And I have thoughts on how strength also works with the high priestess and the twos, um, but I'm not going to go over those right now. I'm just going to stick for the purpose of this episode on justice as 11. This is also the primary system that I use. So that's what I'm best at talking about. Uh, so justice, number 11, because one plus one is two, hence the twos. So while the high priestess receives and sort of sits in power holding their secrets, not 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 really revealing their secrets, just knowing, just knowing, just holding and knowing, um, justice sort of gathers and receives information, data, knowledge, knowing, and then uses the power of discernment to act on that knowledge. There's the, if the high priestess is about receiving inward knowledge, justice is about taking that inward knowledge and applying it outward. Get it? <laughs> and we can see this in, in several ways. So, um, first of all, the, the card justice is a card that is air dominated. It's, it's ruled by air. It's ruled by the uh, air sign Libra. Um, so here, air again is a projective element uh, so we have that inward receptiveness of the two family being um, sort of expressed in this cerebral outward air energy kind of way, injustice. And we also have in the Smith-Waite image, I mean, just take a look at it, put it beside your high priestess if you have a Smith-Waite deck, and just like count the similarities that you see. There's so many visual similarities between these two cards. They are obviously linked. There's the columns. There's the veil between them. There's the positioning of like the seated figures. There's so much, so much. Um, so check that out. There's also um, scales in one hand of justice, which is, I mean, literally the idea of balance, right? The twos, the balance aspect, balancing the scales, so they have those in one hand and they have a sword in the other. So one is about balancing. The sword is about taking action. So here again, we have that receptivity of the two plus the the outwardness of air, literally with a sword, which is the, the suit of air in the tarot. So in justice, we are consciously understanding the sort of um, the information we've received, the ins and outs of our situation um, justice is about, so those, those two, the scales, the two sides of the scale, um, I think of those a lot of time as, as past and future, right? 
when we're in justice. Justice, it does not have to be about legal justice. It is seldom about legal justice because there's not much justice in the legal system. (laughs) Um, And justice isn't necessarily about judgment, as in like judging other people or judging people guilty or not guilty. Um, A lot of the time, it's just about sitting at the point in the present, like sitting in the present in your life, looking at the past, looking at the future, and sort of understanding what in the past got you to this place, got you to this moment, right? What involvement did you have in your own making, your decisions, your behaviors? What got you here? And then what do you need to do to address that in the future so that you that you so that you don't end up in like the crappy place you are now or so that you can change your situation uh, for the better even if you if it shows up and you're not in like a super shitty place but you maybe like want to be somewhere else you want to be doing something else there's that two of wands energy coming in you can um justice is about discerning how to do that right understanding, discerning, and then taking action on what we have determined. So justice isn't necessarily about the scales, but it's about the fulcrum on those scales. It's about the tipping point (laughs) because justice is about taking that action, about tipping the scales. We are what we have made ourselves. If we don't apply that, then nothing's going to change. So justice is about applying that inward knowledge to our outer worlds. Okay. And then lastly, judgment. Uh, Major Arcana card number 20. Two zero. Two plus zero is two. This is uh, the highest evolution of the twos in tarot. So while justice is, is really tied to our um, our, our personal lives, like our personal mortal lives and actions here in this lifetime. Judgment takes us out of that mortal plane into contact with the eternal. Um, this isn't just about taking control. This isn't about taking control of our own lives like justice is. This is about understanding, receiving a call, um, a trumpet call from something greater. In the Smith Waite image, this is a this is a judgment is a representation of judgment day. There's an angel uh, with a trumpet um, and a flag that bears a, a red cross on it on a white background. And there's there's the dead are rising from their graves below it. So this is about that trumpet call <laughs> that that raises us from the dead, that raises us from our our ignorance, our our small lives. Um, this is the higher calling. <laughs> and that higher calling, it, it, it presents us with a crossroads. So there's that two energy. Um, that crossroads is, is represented in the cross that's in the angel's banner, which also that cross can represent the meeting of opposites, um, the joining of opposites. And at that crossroads, we are faced with the choice of heeding that trumpet call and taking that right action or not. Although a lot of times, I have to say, when judgment comes along, there's not really a choice. <laughs> like judgment comes along and, and we've already progressed so far in the energies of energy of the twos, in the major arcana. We've gone past the star and the moon and the sun. Um, and once we reach judgment, reach judgment and we hear the clarity of that call, like 
we're going to rise to it. We're ready to rise to it. we got to rise to it. Uh, judgment is also about coming to terms with our past, right? So justice, also about coming to terms with our past. But in judgment, we rise beyond that. We rise beyond our past, like the, the dead people in the cart are rising from their tombs. We've done the work of understanding our role in our own lives, understanding what we've done, taking responsibility for it, rectifying it in what ways we can. And here in judgment, we're really finally letting it go and rising above it, rising from the grave to join with something greater than us. This is about collective liberation, not just personal liberation. This is about... When it shows up in in readings, it's about making an important change a lot of the time. Um, And with change comes the idea of choice, right? More often, this this change is one that, that totally like shifts our paths. There's that crossroads or our, our outlook on the world at the very least. And in judgment with this sort of um, rising, with this merging, this is like um, the the in some ways, it's the removal of the the perception of opposites. It's we're we're rising up to join with something greater, with the divine, with the uh, the the superconscious. And these things are of necessity, really abstract and hard to put into words, um, because frankly, at this point, the major arcana, like it's it's attempting to. It's like attempting to 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 encapsulate something so big and unknowable for human brains um into one image on a card like I don't know like it it feels kind of like trying to like contemplate the size of the universe. Have you ever done that? <laughs> like my brain just starts to break at some point. I used to love to do that when I was a kid, just try to like contemplate the end of the universe. And the fact that there's no end and then like my brain would break. So anyway, this is like, these are the kind of energies we're working with in judgment. These are things that it's really hard to speak and define. And it's really more about like just the knowing of them, the knowing of them. So again, we're right back to that too, (laughs) that, that inward knowing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's it for the twos. Um, if you want to know more, again, um, come join me on Patreon, uh, where I go more into the energies of each of these cards, and I talk a lot more about the imagery on them. So especially if you want to like dig into the particular card imagery, specifically in the Smith Weight Tarot or uh, decks that are based on the Smith Weight Writer Weight System. Uh, check me out on there. Yeah. Patreon.com slash the word witch tarot. Oh, and I also wanted to say real quick for any listeners that are in Portland, Oregon, um, I am teaching my tarot classes at Portland Community College at PCC um, starting this month, starting um, uh, the 17th of January. Uh, So if you want to learn with me in person, check that out. I've got that information on my website too. Uh, You have to register through PCC, but these are taught um, in community ed. So this is open to literally anyone. You don't have to be like enrolled at PCC. It's just, it's community ed. So 
Yeah, uh, I've got two class offerings on there. One's a one-day workshop, which is uh, on a Saturday in February, and the other is a four-week course that starts this month on January 17th. Uh, So yeah, if you're local to Portland, Oregon, uh, check those out. All right, that is it for this month's um, tarot lesson and this episode of the Word Witch podcast. Tune back in in two weeks for a really fantastic conversation that I have with Louise November of November Tarot. I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's November in the French way, but I just can't. I My mouth doesn't work that way as an English speaker. I can't do the RE thing. So <laughs> tune back in then. Um, and until then, stay magical. <laughs> Bye. We're running in circles, but we live with lines. We put ourselves in boxes when the air is just fine. We're digging down to the earth to find the sky. We're always asking when, but never why. You've been listening to The Word Witch. Our theme music is Counting Rice by Bitches in the Beehive. Their album, Itty Bitty Spaces, is out now. The Word Witch is written, produced, and recorded by me, Claire Burgess. Our logo is designed by me, too. Editing and tech support come from Danu Vino. You can follow The Word Witch on Instagram at the.word.witch. You can book tarot readings, find out about upcoming classes, and join our newsletter at thewordwitchtarot.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, join my Patreon at patreon.com slash thewordwitchtarot. For as little as $1, you'll receive collective tarot readings, tarot and astro content, downloads of my zines, and podcast outtakes and extras. Plus, you'll help make this podcast possible and help support a working witch. If you have a question for The Word Witch, email us at thewordwitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay magical. Just trying to shoot the moon. Using everything we've got, but that's just a piece of spoon. Ooh.